Good morning and welcome to the first Sunday of Advent. Can anybody name the tune that you just heard? Anybody know? Yes, it is from Handel's Messiah. This movement is for unto us a child is born. You hear it a lot during the Christmas season. It's the most famous choral work in the English language. And the lyrics of the Messiah come all directly from scriptures focused on Jesus the Messiah, from prophecies about his coming to his birth, to his life, to his death, to his resurrection, and to his return. And this piece that we just heard a little clip of, For Unto Us a Child is Born, is from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, which says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called, if you know it, say it with me, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Isaiah wrote those beautiful words 700 years before Jesus was born. Did you know that? 700 years before he was born. It was a really dark time in Israel's history. The glory days were over. Uh, Israel's enemies were just about to conquer her and take all the Israelites off into captivity. If you were with us earlier in the, the fall, you know that God had promised to Abraham many years before that he was going to make them into this great nation and bless all the nations on earth through them. But at this point, it looked like that dream had passed. It was long gone. Isaiah said that Israel was about to go through some even tougher times, but then he said, God hasn't forgotten you. God hasn't abandoned you. He said, at just the right time, God is going to send a Messiah, the chosen one, to come to earth and to make everything right, to restore what was broken, to rescue them, and that this Messiah would come and reign as their true king with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And then he uses that beautiful description in Isaiah 9, 6, and he says that he's going to be the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. And this verse is going to be the theme of our Advent series this year. What we're going to do is each week we're going to look at one of those four descriptions and we're going to look at a passage from the New Testament that shows how Jesus was the perfect fulfillment of that prophecy, how he embodied that characteristic. And so this morning we're going to talk about how Jesus is our wonderful counselor. We'll be looking at Matthew chapter 11 verses 25 to 30. You can turn there in your Bibles or we will put it up on the screen. Matthew 11 verses 25 to 30. Hear the word of the Lord. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. May God bless the reading of his word. Having wise counselors in your life is a true blessing. I've been the beneficiary of so many amazingly wonderful counselors in my life. As I was writing the sermon a couple of weeks ago, I was thinking about all the different people who have given me wise counsel over the years. And I thought first about my parents who coached me through so many different situations. I thought about a guy named Scott Walker, who was my pastor in college. Uh, Dr. Walker took Joanna and me through premarital counseling before we got married. 
Of course, I thought about Larry Parsley, our former senior pastor who coached me in so many ways on what it meant to be a pastor. I thought about Stephen and Lacey, Brent's parents uh, from this congregation and so many others that have coached me in parenting when we didn't know what to do. Uh, people who had gone a few steps before us gave us wise counsel. I thought about my friend Tony Ross. Some of you guys may remember Tony. He used to go here. He actually played drums for us many years ago. And Tony was an expert in weightlifting. He knew all about it. And, and one time many years ago, I had knee surgery and I couldn't run for five or six months. And so I thought I needed to stay in shape. So I wanted to figure out how to lift weights. And so Tony met with me twice a week for months and taught me how to use weights uh, to get stronger. And it didn't work, obviously. You, you see that. It's been... <laughs> A while since I went back. In fact, the other day I was in the office and I was like, man, my shoulder, my shoulder is sore. And I thought, that's so weird. I hadn't been working out. And then I remembered the night before it was from scooping ice cream. <laughs> I'm not even exaggerating. I could go on, but you get the idea. I bet if you thought back across the, the span of your life, you would see so many people have given you wise, wonderful counsel. But as wonderful as it is, to get wise counsel from people in your life. Our passage this morning tells us that the counsel that Jesus gives is even better. Jesus is our wonderful counselor, and he teaches us how to live. That is the theme of the sermon this morning. Jesus teaches us how to live. Sometimes people think about Jesus mainly in terms of what he does for us after we die. They think about how Jesus' death on the cross has made it possible for our sins to be forgiven and for us to spend eternity together with Jesus. And praise God, that is absolutely true, and it's something worth celebrating. But the story of salvation is so much broader than just that. The story of salvation is so much bigger than that. Jesus doesn't just show us how to die. Jesus shows us how to live. Jesus doesn't just give us a ticket to heaven that we hang on to for 20 or 40 or 60 or 80 years. Oh, instead, by his grace, he invites us into an abundant life, a new kind of life starting now. He teaches us how to do it, and then he empowers us to do it. He makes it possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is our wonderful counselor, and he teaches us how to live. And so what I want to do for the rest of our time together is I want to talk about three questions about this wise counsel that Jesus gives. Three questions. I'll, I'll name them up front. Number one, why do we need it? Number two, why is he qualified to give it? And number three, how do we get it? So why do we need it? Why is Jesus the one that can give it to us? And number three, how do we get it? First, why do we need it? The reason we need Jesus as our wonderful counselor is because life is too heavy to carry alone. Uh, as penance for his making fun of me in the sermon last week, Arthur is my sidekick today, and he's bringing out some props for us. So thank you so much, Arthur. So to illustrate this point that life is too heavy to carry alone, I've got a question for you. When you go to the grocery store and your car looks like this and it's time to carry the groceries. Let me move this over here. And it's, uh, yes, yes, thank, thank you, Arthur. <laughs> hey, you forgot your cart, Arthur. Arthur, you forgot your cart. You can't trust him with anything. Good night. Were there any substitutions this time? No, okay. With, when you get home from the grocery store, and, and this is just eight bags, but there's usually more, you know, 14, 16, what kind of person are you? Are you person A that picks up two bags responsibly and keeps one hand available, you know, to open the door or maybe to catch yourself if you fall? 
Or are you person B, okay, that makes it a personal mission? It's offensive to you to think that you might need more than one trip from the car. And so let me see if I can do this. So you've got on your wrist and you're walking in and then you get to the doorknob and you try to do this thing, you know, where you get the doorknob between your arm and your hip. You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? Some of you. Okay. So it's time for true confessions. If I can get these off of me. True confessions. Who's person A? The responsible people. We're all very proud of you. Okay. We're all very proud of you. Now, who is person B? All right. That's what I thought. All the guys in the room for sure. I am person B in case you were wondering. Well, yeah, so am I. Good job. Good job. All right. Well, even if you are one of those cocky person A responsible people, you've at least seen this, haven't you? You've seen someone trying to carry more than they really should be loaded down with. You know what it looks like. And here's the, here's the connection to the sermon. When it comes to carrying the burdens of life, all of us not only know what that looks like, we know what it feels like, don't we? We all know what it feels like to try to carry more than we can handle. And with the groceries, it's a little easier because you can actually decide to only take a couple of bags at a time. But life is different. Yes, you can be careful about what you put on your plate. You can try to uh, manage your schedule. But so much of life is outside of our control, isn't it? I mean, so much of life is, is things that we can't, we don't have a say in. You can't decide whether a family member is going to get a debilitating illness, can you? You can't just decide to, to not have a, a boss who asks more of you than is humanly possible. You can't just de- decide to not struggle with anxiety or depression. Yes, we have some control over our circumstances, but so much of the time, we're not even the one picking up the bags. Somebody's standing there handing us the bags, bag after bag after bag, and we just have to figure out how to carry them, and it makes you weary, doesn't it? And you know, it's not just our circumstances either. Our circumstances make us weary, but there's also our sin. Now, I know people don't talk too much about sin in our culture these days, but if we're honest, all of us know deep down, all of us know deep down that we do not measure up to who we ought to be. All of us know that we have done things, said things, seen things, thought things that we shouldn't. And so we carry around even more bags of guilt, bags of shame. Life's heavy. Life's heavy. Jesus says it this way in verse 28. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Weary and burdened. Have you felt that way? And I have. And I will give you rest. We're, we're trying to smile on the outside, but on the inside, we're weary. We're tired. We're, we're weighed down trying to carry all of these difficult circumstances, trying to carry our, our shame and our regret. So why do we need Jesus' wise counsel? Because life is heavy. Life is too heavy to carry alone. It brings us to the second question. Why is Jesus qualified to give us the counsel we need? Why, why can't we just go to our friends? Why isn't it enough just to get uh, life hacks on TikTok? Why is it that, that Jesus is the one that, that should, we should go to for wise counsel? Jesus is uniquely qualified to give us wise counsel because he is the expert on life. Jesus makes an astounding claim in verse 27. 
Let me read it again. He says, all things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. That's a little bit dense, but that is a stunning statement. Jesus is saying, picture yourself here hearing him say this. You're seeing Jesus, and he says, everything God has, he's given to me. And the only way to know God, the only way to access God is through me. That's a bold statement, isn't it? It's a bold statement. He's saying if you want to know anything about God, if you want to know the meaning of life, if you want to get in touch with anything eternal, there's only one way, there's only one route, and it goes through me. It's like he said in John 14 when he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This unique relationship that Jesus has with God the Father means he's uniquely qualified to show us how to live. But if you zoom out outside this passage, there are even more reasons we have to have confidence and faith that Jesus is the expert on life. The New Testament, several places, tells us that Jesus was God's agent in creation. Colossians 1 says, all things were made through him, and in him all things hold together. And then in John 1, John says that Jesus not only created life, he experienced human life. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Divinity took on humanity. Jesus has seen life from both sides as its creator and as one who experienced it himself. And as you look through the Gospels, what you find is Jesus constantly teaching people how to live. The Sermon on the Mount is a great example of this, where he gives this just stunning, stunning manifesto on life in the kingdom, this new way of living that he makes possible. Jesus is the expert on life, and as the expert, he's uniquely qualified to give us the wise counsel we need. And what a blessing it is to be given wise counsel, isn't it? Let me illustrate this. Let's say you're at work and your boss tells you that your entire office is transitioning to a new uh, software system. Do you feel anxious yet? Anybody felt that? He says, everything in our business is going to run through this new software system. And so you sit down and you start trying to learn it, but it's difficult and it's frustrating and you keep having to do stuff and then undo it and redo it. And there's these certain things that you keep running into, problems that seemingly have no solution. You You just can't get it. Now imagine that one day the designer of the software, the one who had the idea for the system, the one who wrote the code, comes to your workstation and sits down next to you and takes you through the entire system and says, here's how it works, here's what you do. Shows you all of those questions that you had, uh, the, the designer answers those questions. He even shows you features that you had no idea even existed that make your workflow so much more efficient, so much more powerful. Wouldn't that be amazing? Well, friends, that's exactly what Jesus, our wonderful counselor, does for us. He designed the system. He wrote the code, so to speak, and he's available to come sit down with us, to walk alongside us whenever we ask. So why do we need it? Life is heavy. Why is Jesus qualified to give it? He's the expert on life. And that brings us to the final question, how do we get it? How do we receive this wise counsel that we so desperately need? Jesus gives us a hint up in verse 25. He says, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and have revealed them to little children. What Jesus is saying is, 
the road to this wise counsel doesn't run through Harvard. The road to this wise counsel doesn't even run through seminary. You don't receive Jesus' wise counsel by being intelligent, by being well-educated. He said you receive it the same way a little child learns. Now think about how does a little child learn? By the way, wasn't it amazing to have our children leading us this morning in children's choir and have them learning the word of God and hiding it in their heart? So beautiful. But how does a little child learn? Well, the people that a little child learns from most often are their parents, the ones that they're in closest relationship with. I have a picture in my, at my house of my son Joshua. He's 23 now, but when he was about two, I have this picture where he went in my closet and got uh, a pair of cowboy boots that I had and then a, a baseball cap. And I bet you've seen a picture like this with some kid in your own life. He's standing there in the cowboy boots and they kind of come up mid-thigh like Cher or something, you know. And he's got the, the baseball cap, you know, hanging off one side and has the biggest smile on his face. How do children learn? They learn by being in close relationship with their parents and by watching them and by imitating them. And at first, the shoes and the hat may be too big, but eventually they grow into it. Down a little later in the text, Jesus takes this image and he makes it explicit. In verse 28, he says, come to me. And then in verse 29, he says, learn from me. Come to me and learn from me. From me. This is how we receive from Jesus the wonderful counsel that we need so desperately. We go to Jesus and we learn from Jesus. Let's break this down for just a minute. First, we go to Jesus. This is the, end of, in, the first invitation Jesus extends to us to come to Him. I love, love, love the way Pastor Alexander McLaren describes this. He says, Our faith doesn't rest on a theological position. It rests on a person. Our faith doesn't rest on a theological position. It rests on a person. Jesus doesn't just say, come follow my instructions. No, Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. Friend, Jesus is not just inviting you to fill your head with his good ideas. He's inviting you to be in a relationship with him. He's not just inviting you to get smarter about life. He's inviting you to walk through your life, your day-to-day life, with him. Jesus is not just a reference book that we consult when we run up against a problem that we don't know how to fix. No, Jesus says that he is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. John 15 describes it as abiding in a vine, just as a branch abides in the vine and gets its nutrients, gets its strength, gets its very life from the vine. That's the relationship that we are invited into with Jesus to find our life in him. So the first thing we do uh, to put ourselves in position to receive Jesus' wise counsel is to go to him. And then once we go to him, we can learn from him. And the way we learn from him may be a little surprising at first. So fasten your seatbelts. Look again at verse 29. He says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Take my yoke upon you. Now, just in case you're not well-versed in pre-industrial revolution agricultural practices, let's uh, go over it a little bit. Let me show a picture here. Uh, In the old days, before tractors, if a farmer wanted to plow a field, this is the way it would work. Uh, They would use uh, one or two ox to pull a plow. You can see this guy uh, with the ox pulling the plow. And the way they would connect 
the ox to the plow is using a yoke. This is a picture of a yoke. It's basically like a harness that goes over the ox's shoulders. And when he walks forward, it pulls the plow behind him. All right. Now, all through this passage, Jesus has been talking about giving us rest. This feels a little bit like a bait and switch, doesn't it? Jesus, I'm weary and burdened, and now you want to put a yoke on me? I'm supposed to pull a plow? What's going on here? I love the way that Frederick Dale Bruner uh, talks about this. He says, a yoke is a work instrument. Thus, when Jesus offers a yoke, he offers what we might think tired workers need least. They need a mattress or a vacation, not a yoke. Oh, but don't miss this. But Jesus realizes that the most restful gift he can give the tired is a new way to carry life, a fresh way to bear responsibilities. And I love that quote so much. When we're tired and weary, we want to escape, don't we? We want to escape from our burdens, but Jesus doesn't most of the time give us escape from our burdens. Instead, he gives us new equipment to carry those burdens. The majority of the time, Jesus does not take us out of our difficult situations. He doesn't take us out of the world. He teaches us to live in the world with him in his strength. He doesn't rescue us from the challenges of life. He gives us a new way of carrying those challenges with him. What Jesus truly offers us, this is so revolutionary when you, when you, when you, when you grasp it. Jesus truly offers us a whole new way of being in the world. He teaches us how to live the full and abundant life that God intends for us as we walk through life together with him. Friends, that is what discipleship is. As one of the commentators I read uh, in preparation for this sermon said, he said, discipleship is simply walking with Jesus in the real world and having him teach us moment by moment how to live life his way. Isn't that beautiful? Walking with, with Jesus, come to me. Walking with Jesus in the real world, recognizing his presence with us, listening for the voice of the Holy Spirit, and then having him teach us moment by moment, not just on Sunday morning, moment by moment, how to live life his way. This reminds me of a story I read about uh, the violin maker Antonio Stradivari. If you haven't heard of him, you may have heard of the violins that he made, Stradivarius violins. They're the finest, most expensive violins in the world. And Stradivari made these stunning violins by hand. And interestingly, he never wrote down his methods. Instead, he passed along his knowledge to his apprentices through something that one scholar called elbow learning. Elbow learning, that's a really interesting phrase. Stradivari would slowly and painstakingly make the violin at his workbench, bit by bit, with his apprentice right at his elbow, watching the master work the wood, watching his teacher uh, turn that piece of wood into this beautiful instrument, and by watching and imitating, learning how to do the same. Jesus' invitation to step into his yoke, you might say, is an invitation to elbow learning, to go through life right at Jesus' elbow, being with him, watching him, learning from him how to live life his way, how to live life the way that God intended, and letting that time with Jesus make you more like Jesus. We spend time with Jesus so that we become more like Jesus by the power 
of the Holy Spirit. Now that's somewhat abstract, but let's get practical for a minute. How do you actually do this? Uh, The way that we put ourselves in position to be with Jesus and learn from him, to engage in this elbow learning, is to engage in what many people call the spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines. You've heard us talk about this often. They're so important. Just like an athlete can use training exercises uh, to put themselves in position for their muscles to strengthen and, and to grow, the follower of Jesus can use spiritual training exercises to put ourselves in position for the Holy Spirit to strengthen us, to make us more like Jesus. We don't earn God's favor by doing these things, but we open ourselves up to the transformative grace of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit uh, by doing these things. And there are tons of possibilities, so I hate to even mention any because there are so many different ways, but there are a few, I think, that are just so central. I wanted just to mention them briefly today. Number one, one of the ways that we come to Jesus and learn from Jesus is spend time with Jesus every day in Scripture and prayer. Friends, This book is such a gift. There's so much power in this book, not as a reference manual, but as a doorway into a transformative relationship with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. So don't neglect it, friends. Read it. Meditate on it. Study it. Memorize it. Talk about it with Jesus through prayer. Number two, commit to regularly spending time with other apprentices of Jesus. Commit to spend time regularly with other people who are following Jesus, worshiping together, praying together, encouraging each other. When we're talking about grow groups here, we oftentimes say we grow better together. And that is a, that is a true axiom about life. We grow better together. So spend time with other apprentices uh, of Jesus like you're doing here this morning. And number three, this one may be uh, a new one for you. As much as possible, Stay consciously aware of Jesus' presence with you throughout the day. Some people over the years have called this practicing the presence of God. And the idea is kind of like that quote earlier. It's as you go about your day, as you go throughout your day, intentionally keep Jesus in your thoughts. Having these little micro moments where you say, thank you, Jesus, that you're with me. Jesus, show me how to react in this situation. Jesus, show me how to respond to this person. Jesus, show me how I can serve. Show me how to live life your way in this situation. Now, this is not easy, and if you're like me, there are going to be long stretches where you forget, uh, and then you seemingly wake up many hours later and you think, oh, I totally forgot about Jesus, but that's okay. Every moment is a new opportunity to step into the yoke with Jesus, to come to him, to learn from him, and to start again. So three things, regularly spend time in scripture and prayer, regularly spend time uh, with other followers of Jesus, and keep your eyes focused on Jesus throughout the day. And over time, friends, what you will find is just what this passage promises, that over time you will experience true rest, soul-level rest, not an escape from the world, but a new way of living in the world of way of living where the yoke is easy and the burden is light. One of my favorite things in the world to do is to go hiking. I especially love on going uh, on hikes that, that last for several days where you spend the night camping out along the trail. There's nothing like being uh, in, out in the wilderness with a few good friends and enjoying the beauty of God's creation and the beauty of friendship. 
But doing this isn't easy, it's a multi-day hike. And, and the reason is there's just so much stuff to carry. You got your tent, you got a sleeping bag, you got a sleeping pad. Thank you, Arthur. Thank you, Arthur. Sleeping pad. You have all this stuff. Now, imagine that you have all the stuff to carry and you have to carry it in these grocery bags. How far down the trail do you think you would get? I wouldn't last 20 minutes, right? I mean, you get those weird marks on your, uh, on your fingers, you know, and it's hurting. But thankfully, when you're hiking on a multi-day hike, you don't have to carry your stuff in grocery bags because of this amazing invention called a hiking backpack. This is my hiking backpack right here. Let me show it to you. I love this thing. It has these nice thick cushion straps here, and not just the ones that go over your shoulders. It has these that go over your hips. And then my favorite part of this one, it has this mesh uh, that keeps uh, airflow going between your back and the pack to keep you cool on the trail. It's awesome. And then, of course, there are just all these, Arthur can help me here, uh, there's all these different compartments and places to put stuff. And, uh, you know, this is actually kind of what Arthur and I do before we go hiking together. Uh, he packs my, my pack for me. Um, he, he makes me little peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. So, so sweet. By the way, it's easier to put a back, uh, sleeping bag in here than it is to put ramen noodles in. But so it has all of these compartments and containers and places to put stuff. I've got some cups here. Let me put here. And here's the fascinating thing as we attach this. It's the same amount of stuff, right? But there's a new way to carry it. Is my mic still on? Good. And it's so amazing that these cushion straps and these straps on the hip, hips kind of balance the weight over your whole body. And the weight doesn't go away, but it changes. It changes. It makes carrying it so much easier. And with this pack on my back, I've experienced some of the most beautiful places that I've ever seen. I've stood on uh, the top of the Chisos Mountains in Big Bend and looked across the Rio Grande out across 50 miles of Mexico. I've been in the Ozark Mountains and the Washita Mountains in beautiful woods. I've been in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan looking out over Lake Superior from these beautiful cliffs, all with all of this on my back. Friends, trying to care, carry the burdens of life on your own is like trying to carry all your camping gear in grocery bags. You're not going to do it very long. You're going to wear yourself out. But Jesus invites us to step into the easy yoke with him. He will take the bags that had our sin and shame in it, and he'll put those in his pack. He carried them all the way to the cross and left them there. In those difficult circumstances that we face, he gives us a new way to carry them through the power of the Holy Spirit. He teaches us a grace-fueled, spirit-empowered way of living where the yoke is easy and the burden is light. And we can joyfully explore the beauty of God's good creation as we walk through life together with him. So church family, let's come to Jesus. Let's learn from Jesus. And let's find true life together. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much 
that you don't just teach us how to die, you teach us how to live. And that you invite us into a brand new way of life starting right now. Life in your kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. Thank you for that gift. Lord Jesus, I pray for all of my brothers and sisters in this room today. I know, I know life is so heavy. And I know for for many of them it's especially heavy right now as they walk through difficult circumstances. God, I pray for them. I pray that your grace would strengthen them, that they would mount up on wings like eagles and run and not grow weary and walk and not be faint as they step into the easy yoke with you. May you sustain them by your spirit. For those who haven't yet made the decision to give their life and heart to you, God, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. And for those who have, God, I pray, Jesus, that that we we, we wouldn't try to carry our burdens in grocery bags, but we would step into the yoke with you and experience the true and abundant life. In Christ's name we pray.